Enter if you dare this ghastly conversation of teens fraught with despair and recent lacerations. Final girl, chase after her, don't let her get away. But first, the slumber podcast massacre. Welcome to Slumber Podcast Massacre with TNA. Fuck it, that's Tim. Fucking that's Andy. And this is a podcast about horror. Every week, Tim and I get together. We talk about a different movie from the horror genre, from your well-known classic down to that rare gem that believes it has made a significant find in the castle of Kandar, <laughs> having journeyed there with their wife, Henrietta, their daughter, Annie, and associate professor, Ed Getty. <laughs> Getley. Sorry, Getley. I knew I'd fuck the last name up. Uh, at the back of your video store shelf, this week we're continuing our summer series where lady luck picks our film called evil dice tonight it's the greatest miniseries title we've ever had <laughs> uh and last week the dice picked from 1987 the uh, sam raimi tentpole evil dead 2 dead by dawn tim we've talked we'll talk evil dead but what are what are some sequels you think are better than the original Oh, you know what? There was it doesn't a- have to be horror too. It can be anything, but try. You know, we're a horror podcast, Tim. Let's try and keep it horror. We're never. We're not even going to bring up superheroes in this episode at all. Talking about Sam Raimi in my <laughs> in my research, there were only eight times that I came across an article that said sequels that are so much better than the originals. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'd like to read that, but I'll just I'll just finish up real quick. So. <laughs> Never got around to it, so this is on the fly. Um, I'm okay, so I'm going to give like to our our long term listeners. Some of them would be expecting me to say Slumber Party Massacre too, right? But here's the funny thing: Slumber, and I'm going to make this very brief because I've talked about these movies enough. But Slumber Party Massacre Two is a lot of fun, yeah, a uh, great fun watch. But if we're really talking about quality of film, <laughs> the, the first one is superior, right? Right. Um, I mean, it was made, it was directed by a, like a, a famous editor. So it's, it's a better film, but I probably enjoy the second one more. Now, there are a lot of people that talk about the Godfather two being better than Godfather. Um, you know, I like the Godfather films and they're, they have a really interesting, like I'm the first person to say like those Godfather movies are pretty watchable. Um, but I'll tell you, though, funny enough, like if you go back and watch even that first one, it's choppy as fuck. Like it's it's rough. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's great. The scenes are great. The acting is great. But like the movie, it hadn't gotten that smoothed out Spielberg treatment yet. Like all movies had afterward. Um, It was like a movie made in the 70s. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. And uh, but I mean, I I, De Niro is so good in the second one that that would you could make a strong case for that. Sure. Um, I'm going to like, here I am, like, I'm going to dig deep and say evil dead to, um, <laughs> like, which might come up later, but, uh, that certainly is probably at the top of my list. Um, but there are a lot of twos that I've seen before one. And that happened as a, just a, re- a generational result of being like only of an age to barely rent a movie only when the second one had come out. Right. So it didn't dawn on us that like, we should probably see the first one first. <laughs> right. you know? Um, I know the general idea. Right. Yeah, exactly. I will yeah. pick, we'll pick up on it. Um, but I'm trying to think uh, there. 
I I know that I've got some, but this is going to be the kind of thing that if I hear someone else talk, if I give somebody else the vocal space to speak on it, then I can interrupt them with force. Okay. Like that's, that's where I'm at. Like I know it's in there, but I just, I got to let it germinate a little bit. Can you, can you give me a few ideas of, of ones that you think might be better than I mean, uh, Ghostbusters too. No, that's a joke. Hmm. <laughs> That's the worst one. Uh, I mean, Sam Raimi did it with Spider-Man 2. I think Spider-Man 2 is better than the first one. I'm not alone there. Uh, Roger Ebert loved that movie. Wow. Um, yeah, let's see. What are some other? I mean, just staying on comic books, Superman 2, I think, is better than the Ooh, first Superman. Oh, yes. I will, I will vote for that. Absolutely. And when I say better, I mean, I, I, I will include more fun. I guess I haven't really watched those movies as a very as an elder person who sure. watches film more critically, um, or re- I mean, not to say I, it's like I've I've watched those movies as an adult, but I haven't really sat down and been like, what you what what are the, what are we bringing to the table on each one of these? Can I throw this down real quick? Yeah, fucking Empire. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Empire Strikes Back is better than Star Wars. Yeah. Is it really? Is is anyone arguing that? Not really. No. No. Okay. That is even kids who are who like the prequels will yeah. be like, eh, but Empire is the best. Fuck yes, it is. You know what's funny about Empire is just thinking about this. Um, we were kind of having, and this will tie into a discussion we were having. I said we weren't going to talk about superheroes, but we were talking about because Sam Raimi did some Spider Man movies, and recently there were some animated Spider Man movies, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this, in this, uh, the most recent one. The ending ends where it's like, oh, but there's still going to be a third one. Like, you know, right? Okay. Like, um, And so people, a lot of uh, online criticism was like, I don't know how to judge this movie because it's obviously leading into something else. And I'm like, I guarantee you 90% of the people, especially older people who say that about that movie, will tell you Empire is the best movie. Which yes. ends with being like, well, I guess, uh, in the t- you know. In a couple of years, we'll go get Han and we'll do all, you know, that movie ends on, okay, we'll all meet up in the next movie. Okay, bye. Right. So, um, my little rant. It, on it, that. No, it's it's literally a movie cutting for commercial break is literally <laughs> much, what it yes. is. Um, uh, but yeah, Empire is awesome. And now I something not sci-fi or something related. Well, I will say this. Now, we just recently watched, uh, you have a wonderful outdoor garage the- garage theater summer series going on uh, with double features, uh, very keenly picked and very keenly paired with each other. Um, and we recently watched Gummo. Now, there is, now while this is more of a companion piece to Gummo, I don't know if you can consider Harmony Corrine's film uh, Diary of Anne Frank Part Two, right? A a direct sequel to the original Diary of Anne Frank, but I I mean that's worth seeing. <laughs> yeah. I, I I haven't seen it yet. Better, you know, so you don't know if it's yeah. Better. I know it's about it's. Uh, there's a lot of Satanism in it. I oh, know that. So yeah, it is better. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just lightens the mood a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So there's that. Um, it's I it, well. Here's the funny thing. It gets real easy to list ones that aren't as good as the first. Oh, for sure. Jaws two being. Well, I was going to say mind. that could get an honorable mention because Jaws two I like. Well, uh, here's and the probably thing. the one as a kid I saw Jaws two way more than I saw Jaws. I will not say Jaws two is better than Jaws. Uh, but I would never tell someone, don't watch Jaws 2. Well, here's the thing. You don't have to be a pompous prick to say that 
at with age gets more knowledge, a, a better knowledge and a more refined palette of watching films. So as a kid, yeah, I like two better. Yeah, I did. And I'm pretty sure any kid would right. like it was a little bit more action. Yeah. And um, I there mean, it's little kids in peril in it. Yeah. Not it, somebody being swallowed whole. Right. Um, and I'll tell you what. Now, look. The, Jaws is Jaws. But that motherfucking scene with that girl and her boyfriend. Oh, yeah. And where when he's in the water. Her. Yeah. Oh. And she no, she. But when she goes into shock, when he's when he's. When when she is in the boat and he is in the water, yeah, and you know that like what is happening? Are his legs being bitten off right now? Yeah. Is his torso being bitten in half right now? He gets driven, yes, into the boat, toward, right? yeah. yeah. And then she's in shock later, like full on medical shock. Yeah. Like it's it's pretty powerful. Yeah, um, yeah. So, when they find when they go out looking for the boats, so maybe people should should stop. Shitting on Jaws too, then? Yeah, I mean, is it time for that? Well, I don't know if anybody's shitting on it, but I mean, it's like now Jaws three and four, shit away. Well, yes, right, yes, please drop your drawers, <laughs> yeah, right? And get it loaded. Yeah, um, yeah, because well, first and and like I've said before, not just to add insult to injury, I had to watch Jaws three through. Um, butter smeared glasses. <laughs> right. Thank you, uh, Sam Carlson, uh, <laughs> super fan. Um, but I, uh, for trading me his 3d glasses and his recovered in butter, uh, when we were kids, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, but, uh, but if you want to talk threes though, now here's a little, I'm going to put a little spin on this right. exorcist three. Oh, wait, no, wait, now wait, now wait, now wait, yeah. now wait, who now yeah, it doesn't have to be a part two. You could take a series. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, like, I am ignoring part two here. I'm saying, do we have a part three that's better than part one? I don't know if you can say that The Exorcist three is better than part one, but it's probably one of the best companion pieces to a film ever. Yeah, because it is. It really is a direct sequel. I think Friday Six is better than the original. Okay, now we're getting into a, a further like the idea of something getting. So good with such depth. Yeah, and it was. Um, it was. Uh, um, Frankenstein that brought up uh, Love You, Bill. By the way, dubs? I mean, what, you talk about dubs. Uh, yes, I and it, we going with dubs now. Uh, Frankenstein is just too good yeah, to like pass no, up. No, it's no. just he too good. Like that, so, um, so he brought up the idea of God. What movie was it? But that something being so deep, so far into the franchise is a real accomplishment. Like to say that something somebody has a good part six oh, yeah. is insane. Insane. Outside of like, I don't know, James Bond or whatever. Right. You know. Um but and which are not like those are not sequential films though, right? Like, not really, yeah. Those are just little one off. Just different stories. stories. Yeah. Right. Um so no, I think that that's cool. And you know, it, it kind of makes me feel like we might be in a world now where Sequels used to be like an easy butt of jokes for stand-up comedians, right? Like it was a joke in and of itself to say like Rocky 15, right. you know, or whatever. But now it's like uh people are watching like fourth seasons of like eight episode shows yeah. that are essentially stretched out films. And but I mean, yet different than network TV that as traditional network TV. Yeah. So if we're okay with that, then what the fuck is wrong with like six sequels? Right. Really nothing. It's funny you say Rocky because Rocky is almost, it's like in this sequel redundancy. Because I always joke, 
Because like Creed, they started, they Creed restarted is the sequels. Rocky Seven. It is. Uh, well, and then like I'd it might say, even I be said, further because then in Creed Two he fights Drago's kid, and I'm like, it should be called Rocky Eight Creed Two Drago. Right. That is what the title of that movie should be. Yeah, right. It should have Drago's revenge. It shouldn't be written in all one line. <laughs> Like, there should be several lines underneath no, it. I think that's even better. One line. <laughs> Rocky 8, and not even a colon or anything. Rocky 8, Creed 2, Drago. Just all together there. Yeah. <laughs> not even with, like, a bunch of colons, like a Richard Grieco yeah, movie. exactly. No, just <laughs> boom. Tomcat the Invasion, or whatever the fuck Richard Grieco does. Um, <laughs> but Just to Kill. Yeah, right? Wasn't that yes. that movie? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but what a what an exciting hairline that dude had. I mean, oh, that yeah. was a fucking widow's peak. Yeah, but it looked good. Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah. he was hot. Off. He was hot. Um, so yeah, no, I think that I think that sequels we can lighten up on sequels because let's face it, like I think that we've gotten to a point in society where it's okay to say that if we like something, we want more of it. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. The only reason why sequels would have ever been maligned in the past was because they just weren't as popular. You didn't have as many sequels. But you know the one I'm really looking forward to, just out of sheer interest, uh, Expendables Five or whatever. No, the um, Mel Gibson's uh, Passion of the what is it? Passion oh. of the Christ. Two. He's, two. Yeah, he's, he is. I, I'm not even joking. He's saying it's it's basically going to be like an acid trip. All is right. basically what it is. All right. So that should be kind of interesting. Yeah. Um. What was the Martin? I can't wait for that to be the number one movie, and then what uh, was the Martin into obscurity forever? <laughs> what was the Martin Scorsese one? Was that Temptation of the Temptation Christ? Temptation of the Christ. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I liked that movie. Yeah. Christ was hot for a second there. <laughs> um. But um. He's got those abs. For a second. Yeah. Um, but no, you I... You guys I, remember? Remember Christ? Yeah. Um, Jesus Christ. Don't you remember? Uh, but no, I like I like a lot. I like sequels. And here's the thing. I think sequels allow you, not that this should be the low standard that they should be set to, but I think they allow you to kind of pump the brakes a little bit. I think it's okay to allow yourself to enjoy a sequel without judging it against the source material. Now, this comes right after my motherfucking ass was ripping on Nightmare for, you know, (laughs) at least two episodes. And I have gone back and I went back after you and I did the last episode talking about part three. And I went back and I'm like, okay, what were all these individual movies so I can get it straight? And it turns out I kind of fucking love four. Yeah. And I really like five. Um, Now, six. I I made it prematurely said we weren't doing anymore. Right. But I'm going to I'm going to put in a redaction there and say that Nightmare on Elm Street is a healthier franchise than I gave it credit for as yeah. far as as more installments being good. Um I, I I make it sound like the first one was the only one and and that's not fair. So uh redaction on that. But um no I think that uh I think that it's exciting for people to um to be able to get another chance for people to be able to get like look at look at musicians okay there are a lot of musicians professional musicians that have said that the process of making an album is kind of backwards because what happens is you put out the you record the you write the song you record the album and you put it out there and then you tour and then as you tour you kind of like really get to know that song <laughs> yeah and you find other things in it 
but it's like, fuck, we already made the goddamn <laughs> album. Like, that's the reason why they're here. But it's so much better now. Um, so film gives you film sequels, give you a chance to right some wrongs or completely fuck it all up. Yeah. One way or the other. Yeah. I guess it depends on the intent behind the sequel. Do you really have a story you need to tell, or is it? Are you cashing in? Well, nine times out of ten, what's the answer to that? You're question? cashing. Yeah, in. right. Yeah, unfortunately, so that's that's a problem. But um, but I I like the idea of people resurrecting things. Look, I don't remember what show it was. There was some show on TV. I don't know if it was the X Files or something, but there was a show that came back that I'm like, if they can bring back that show, yeah. then all the all the rules are are gone. Like if you can resurrect anything and just be like, or maybe it was Frasier. Like, hey, uh, there like, is a Frasier. Like it never happened. You know, like yeah. we've always been doing this. Now? I'm guessing not anymore. But I never watched it at all. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Oh, wow. And I like that old dude because he's a Steppenwolf guy. Yeah. What's John his name? Mahoney. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know who he's a big fan of? Uh, Magnetic Fields. Are you familiar familiar with that band? <laughs> no. Oh, really? Yeah, they're actually like a super cool band. Um, and he's this old dude, but he loves them. Um, he used to go on XRT and uh, DJ guest DJ on XRT. Did he really? Yeah, super fucking awesome. Yeah. Awesome taste in music, like indie stuff, like really, really cool. Yeah, super cool guy. Yeah, he great seems actor. Like a cool guy. Yeah, um, good actor because you don't. He's a curmudgeon on the show. Yes. Yeah. So you know he's a good actor. <laughs> but still somehow likable. Right. Right. Yes, he's the lovable curmudgeon. Yeah. Because he just sits in his chair and barks orders at his little effeminate kids. Isn't it funny? Like you get you get this is what Hollywood reduces you to. Like he's probably been on stage as a young man doing like true West, acting his fucking balls off. And yet he's known for just being that curmudgeon old guy yeah. with the cane, you know? Right. A role that he could play in his fucking sleep. But, you know, that's all right. He made his money. My co-star's a dog. Yeah. He's <laughs> my best friend. <laughs> right. That's all old people have. Yeah. There Animals. was a dog on yeah. the show. All the people know. have left them. Yeah. That was um, a show in the first season because he gets like a caretaker. Yeah. They hire like a, because, you know, he's old. He sits in a chair all, all the time. Uh, but for some reason, the first season, she was psychic. And then they just were like, this is kind of dumb. Like, really? Like, they yes. tried to. Oh, wow. Yes. Like, they tried to pull it off like she was psychic. Wow. Like maybe maybe we don't need goofy characters in this show. No. Let's just rely on some good old fashioned writing. Was anyone in Cheers psychic? Am I missing something? <laughs> no, that's the thing. Like there's <laughs> no magic in Cheers. Only in the PNC, baby. Yeah. PNW. PNC. You, you know what though? I loved I love when those shows that don't you you just said they don't have any magic. I love when they would have like their Halloween episodes though. Oh yeah. And they'd kind of mix it up a little bit and there'd be something kind of spooky. Yep. Those are always fun. Yeah. This is when the world was focused on like three things. Whatever those three things were, and it was like Michael Jordan and Cheers and like, you know, whatever, like TV dinners. Like that was that was it. And like and it made life so simple. Um, I mean, I'm sure that some people were like, oh, my God, I'd love to be recognized like as a fucking entity in this world. But um, but for the rest of us, life was really easy. <laughs> Um, so <laughs> anyhow, um, you want to, uh, cool, we, we got to talk about yeah, this motherfucker movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's get into this one. Cause this is a sequel I like a lot. So this is evil dead two from 1987. It was written by Sam Raimi and Scott Spiegel. It was also directed by Sam Raimi. It stars Bruce Campbell, Sarah Barry and Dan Hicks. But I mean, really it just stars Bruce Campbell. <laughs> uh, it had a budget of three and a half million. It made six. 
Sure. Do it. Uh, let's do Nan some, and then we'll get into some spoilers. Ash Williams and his girlfriend Lisa are taking a vacation weekend in a remote and seemingly abandoned cabin in the woods. While the two get comfortable for the night, Ash stumbles upon a recording made by the previous occupant of the cabin, archaeologist Raymond Nobi. The recording is of the professor reading passages from the Necronomicon Ex Mortis, the Book of the Dead. Unfortunately for the young couple, the reciting of the passages in the books unleash a frightful demonic force that immediately possesses Lisa as she attacks Ash. Forced to behead his bewitched love, Ash soon finds he is cut off from the main road and stranded with the savage, Kandarian demon. Ash is assaulted and mutilated by unseen forces as well as the risen corpse of his recently deceased girlfriend. And later the next night, the daughter of Dr. Nobi shows up with her father's associate, but I think it's actually her brother. I put it as her associate, but anyway. And some locals who helped her navigate her way to the cabin. Can Ash keep the newcomers from becoming evil dead? Or will Ash himself become evil dead too? See what I did there? <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll the old it. also. Very proud of that joke. Yes. Well done. <laughs> um. Yeah, that was kick-ash. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> no, this movie. Okay, goddamn. Um, wow. You've uh, always been. Uh, this is like from the when I met you, right? So I'm gonna. You I'm, talked about this more than Slumber Party. It, really, I did. And and the thing is, is like this is. Uh, it, it started making me think about what drug stores that are exist around the world. Does Australia have Walgreens? Uh, I don't know. Okay, it's a drugstore. It's called Australia. Be grains. Yeah, <laughs> grinds. <laughs> um, but uh, they, it's it's uh, Australia. Imagine your store where you go buy like toilet paper and drugs. Um, so I was in a Walgreens drugstore as a kid, and I saw this box, and it was probably the first time that I had seen a skull with human eyes. Which is really yes. kind of unsettling. Coolest cover. Super fucking cool. Yeah. And few people will even remember that Walgreens even rented VHS tapes, but they did. It was over by the periodicals um, magazines. And anyhow, <laughs> it was over there and they had a small section of videotapes and Evil Dead 2 had just come out. It was listed as a new release. It was on an end cap. Okay. And I kept seeing it because we went there a lot and I was I was really fixated on it. Now- I don't remember the way if I can, the way yeah. the because, yeah, it is just a skull with real eyes, mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily making a scary face. Not it's really. It's almost like looking at you like, oh, my. Hey. Yeah. Whoa. Kind of. Yeah. Like, Check this out. Yeah. The only thing different about me is the lack of flesh and skin and hair yeah. and everything else. You yeah. But you what's going on right now? <laughs> this is different. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this is something else. Um, but yeah, that's that's what it looked like. And it, and it instantly grabbed your eye. So I don't remember if I myself had my mom rent it from that store, from Walgreens, or I just told the guys about it. But the thing of it is, was speaking of sequels, we paid no attention to the fact that it was part two. It was just because that visual image was so striking that we were like, well, we got to see this. Right. And the back of the box isn't really that great. I mean, there's a, I think the, the um, severed hand is on Ash's neck, Okay, but there's not much more than that for, from, what memory serves. And, um, but either way we watched the movie and here's the funny thing about it is that as this movie goes, 
<laughs> this is the most exciting thing about this movie. Let me just say this real quick. It, it, it's, it was the, the movie where I coined the term an experience film. So I would ask people, have you seen Evil Dead 2? And when they would say no, there was this moment in time that I would just relish <laughs> and just stop and just absorb the fact that I was going to change their lives forever. Right. Um, this is pre-internet, by the way. <laughs> and so, so you could do such a thing with a movie. And, um, and I, would, I would introduce it to people. And the funny thing is, is that it doesn't matter how big of a joker, jokester, funny guy that you have. If he's or she has never seen this movie before, they're going to like poke a little fun at it at first, you know, because you you get the vibe of it being a little offbeat from the beginning, yeah. despite now it has a very serious intro. But even the intro, while the voiceover is excellent and serious, the action is kind of frenetic and like and um, like yeah. the book slapping clothes and flying minutes away. in, you get a, you know. Stop motions, like dead body doing a ballerina act. Well, that's my point is that your, your funny guy jokester watching it for the first time is going to be like making a couple comments. By the time you get Ash flying through the air and spinning, everybody's like, what the fuck is this? And it it brings even the most seasoned critic to their knees. And that's what I love about it, that nobody is above the Evil Dead 2 experience. So what's interesting about this, and I'll, I'll get through the background stuff quickly because the movie itself is just too good to, to try to rush in. So we've covered a, a, some of this before. Yeah, um, a bit. That these are, we're talking about, and and maybe this is the the essence of what makes this film so great is that it runs on the energy of like like teenage boys who all met when they were in middle school together yep. Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell and Scott Spiegel all met together uh Sam's brother Ted and they would make these like super 8 movies and just for their own enjoyment. Yeah. Well, they wanted to get a little bit more serious about it. So what they did was they would make a movie, really try hard, and then they would show it in their local movie theater, get a newspaper reporter to write up a little review of it. And so then they would take that to other people, dentists, doctors, lawyers in the town, and say like, hey, can you give us some money? Look, we even had, we showed a movie. We had a write-up. We had a review. Yeah. We're legit. And, yeah. And they would just build from there. They would grab whatever fucking celebrity they could. First big one. I mean, when, when we're talking like, hey, we hit the big time let's get this guy's attention tom smothers <laughs> touring Good through to get to touring through town and bruce campbell was his dresser he got a job as his dresser in a in a play okay and um so they he actually convinced tom smothers to come over to their house and watch these super eight movies that they had oh made my God. tom smothers gave him five hundred dollars to help with their career at that time, which is probably a decent amount of money. Yeah. And then uh, Bruce ran into Tom probably a year later and he's like, Hey, do you remember last summer? And he's like, not, not a, no, <laughs> like, like literally did not remember him at all. Um, but anyhow, you they got me on one of my nights. <laughs> right. So uh, I'm Tom Smothers, baby. <laughs> I'm everywhere. Um, but so they started building and building and building. So they made um, a couple smaller films that had some success. They made the evil dead and it was loved by Stephen King. 
Yeah. Not that it really made that big of a splash, but a few people saw it. After they did that, they had enough clout to then like move forward and, and move into some different genres. And that's when they made Crime Wave. Yeah. Crime Wave was a disaster. Well, and even, Stephen King was like, get this guy to do one of my things. They were trying to get him to do Thinner way back in the day. Well, that was, that's coming up. Oh, is that coming up? Right. So they so they did Crime Wave and it's I did some research. I know you did. I know you did. No, no, I know you did. So they did Crime Wave and Crime Wave blows. I haven't yeah. seen it. You have. Yeah. Well, yeah, I saw it. It's very hard to find nowadays. I saw I remember seeing it. I was at my grandparents' house. Uh, I was very small. You know, I was probably eight, nine or so when that movie came out. Yeah. Uh, written by Sam Raimi. No, directed by Sam Raimi, written by the Coens. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, who, who worked and lived together. Kind of crazy to think about how. Who all, who all was in that house? So it was like Sam Raimi. It was the Cohen brothers. I know Kathy Bates lived there for a good chunk, and then I think that like Francis McDormand started. And Holly Hunter was in and there. Holly Hunter, yeah. yes, was a part of that kind of stable. Uh, yeah. So what's kind of fascinating is yeah they do Crime Wave. Um, they wanted Bruce Campbell to star in that, and the studio was like, "This guy, no, absolutely <laughs> right. not." But he plays like a villain in it, and he he is like the best part of the movie. But it is very cartoony, but it's very disjointed. And I just remember feeling uneasy while I watched it as a kid. Uh, the two like crime guys are kind of gross and you know greasy and just off-putting. And there's yeah. a lot of you know, it's it, not something you expect from an adult movie when you're a kid. And it and it it performed poorly, and so they were kind of down in the dumps in general because none of their careers were, were taking off. This movie that they thought would be big wasn't, and it was Ivan Shapiro, their a publicist for the first Evil Dead, that was like, "You guys got to do a sequel, like." Just do this, like invest in this. So they were kind of licking their wounds after Crime Wave. And they said, like, OK, we don't have any financing, but let's at least see that if we can pull a crew together. So they started, like, interviewing crew people. Um, the script had already been written. It took a long time to write it because of all those people in that apartment. There's a lot of distraction. Yeah. You know, you've got a, an apartment just chock full of fucking talent. <laughs> right. Like anybody opens their mouth and it's probably worth listening to. Yeah. You know, I mean, so Sam's like the only one who hasn't won an Oscar out of that group. <laughs> it's insane. And so, um, so, but the script was already written. They're like, well, let's at least start interviewing some crew. And one of the girls that they interviewed passed on it, but she went down to um, North Carolina and was filming another movie with Stephen King. It was probably Maximum Overdrive. It was Maximum Overdrive. And now what's funny is Bruce Campbell in his book, and he's very funny. And oh. He's a talented writer. Yeah. And but he's also a gentleman. And you can you can sense the generationalism in his writing to where he's not uh he's not hitting below the belt. Like he'll still put things in a in a uh a coy sort of way. Yeah. Um, but he says that, you know, Stephen King just encountered this woman's uh presence or entertainment one night you know for who knows what reason you know he was just in her company and she um had coke yeah <laughs> probably <laughs> yeah, exactly so um so she had mentioned that like hey i just turned down this movie with these guys that are trying to do a sequel to evil dead and stephen king's like what did you just say <laughs> 
Like, and she's like, well, no, there's the guys that are trying to do a sequel to Evil Dead. And that's when he's like, okay, well, I'll, I'll help. Like, let's do this. So he calls Dino De Laurentiis, who was financing those movies of his, Thinner and Maximum Overdrive. Dino was aware of Sam Raimi. And you're right, did want him to do Thinner. Yeah. Um, and uh, But he passed on that. Sam Raimi did. Um, but there was kind of the idea of, hey, will you finance this movie that we're working on, this sequel? And it was only because of its... <laughs> I, I didn't know this was a thing. Evil Dead's popularity in Italy through the fucking roof. Oh, really? For for whatever reason. Um, they loved it. And he was like, okay, like, um, I'll I'll do it. And it was about 20 minutes. They went over to his house and he's like, Yeah, I'll give you three and a half million dollars. Yeah. They wanted four, but they settled for three and a half million. Yeah. So um, so now they're off and running. They start to put their crew together. And it's now that Sam calls Scott Spiegel, his friend that he used to make those Super 8 movies with, still in contact with him, um, but, uh, you know, said like, hey, I really need your help on this one. And it was Scott Spiegel that was the one that really infused the humor. That's where you get like a farewell to arms. That's where, you know, the books on top yeah. of the hand. That's where you get like the laughing scene, the lamp, you know, yeah. bending and laughing. He was that influence oh, okay but they all love that shit right there's a behind the scenes featurette uh oh, that, there's definitely a tonal shift from the first oh, yeah. one to the second one absolutely and if you don't know this is while it's a sequel it is essentially a remake it is it, it, and, but why did they do that that is why i'm a, i'm a little unclear okay on why they went that route well the, the it has something to do with the rights if i'm well, I, I I think it was just that there there was an intention to actually have the original. I know they wanted to do Army of Darkness. Yes. And he was like, no. Exactly. Yes. Sam Raimi, you're 100% right. He wanted it set in the 1300s. He wanted to jump right into that and Army you know of Darkness. you know what they wanted to call it? Fucking brilliant title. Yes. What's that? Medieval Dead. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> yeah Why that, didn't they do that? Ever? That would be great. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, and Dino was the one that was like, uh, no, like we're not doing that. I want it like the first movie because you can make that for three and a half million dollars. <laughs> right. So, um, so Dino a castle. Right. Dino wanted them to make it down in uh, North Carolina where his studios were. And they were like, okay, we'll go down there, but we're not going to go right where you are because it's best to make a movie about at least three hours away from your producer. <laughs> right. So he's not up your ass the whole time. So they went to actually the location where uh, uh, the color purple was filmed and they went to um, the gentleman. It was a, just a townie dude. And they were like, well, this guy's used to movies and movie actors and sets and crew and all that stuff. Let's go film on his property. So they went over to him and they talked to him and they're like, Hey, can we, can we film our movie here? And um, it was then that Bruce Campbell said when they explained to the gentleman how much money they had to offer him, that uh, it was his face that turned the color purple uh, <laughs> because it was considerably less money than he was paid for that film. Um, but he went ahead with it and they're like, look, we're not going to be installing air conditioning like they did. <laughs> like that was the Cadillac of filmmaking yeah. where the Chevy Nova literally quote unquote. Um, so he agreed to it. And there was this sort of like, um, 
kind of unused uh, school, like a high school. And they used the library to for the production office. They filmed the or they showed the dailies in the auditorium. Um, they shot the interiors in there. Um, so, yeah, like it was all kind of ready made, um, which is fascinating to me because one of the greatest things about this movie is that you and I have complained a million times about not knowing where we are in a film setting. Yeah. You always know where you are in the scope of this film. Well, yeah, as crazy as it is, but but does it ever feel like there are outside scenes and then all of a sudden inside scenes that were filmed in a high school gym? I mean, it's seamless. No. So they did a great job with that, throwing it all together. Still an incredibly limited budget. Now, this is where it gets a little interesting. The movie has a lot of blood. Yeah. The reason why there is different colors of blood was because they were trying to avoid the MPAA. Okay. Um, and and yeah, the, there's one point it turns from red to black. Yeah, black. There's black. There's purple. There's yellow. Yeah. There's there's, there's everything. Kind of frothy, watery type blood. That's yes. The grossest. So this is kind of fun. It's the least. I don't know if it's because it's the least like blood. Well, and even even the red blood was like not like a bright cherry bright red it right. was like a, a darker um and by the way uh that that recipe is caro syrup non-dairy creamer three parts red uh food coloring one part blue food coloring for okay. blood for fake blood for the red um no peanut butter no peanut butter in that one. Oh, yeah but that's a fairly standard it is yeah, yeah. they went with the caro syrup which Use bruce chunky peanut butter if you want Blood clots. Or, yeah, brain matter, skull yeah. matter. Yeah, yeah we've, we've been yeah, down that yeah, road. No, no. <laughs> Trail mix. Um, but uh, what's what's interesting is, now now follow me here. This is kind of fun. So they, they finished the film. They finished making it. And they said, and Dino De Laurentiis' uh, film company was called DEG. And DEG was signed up with the... MPAA. So if you make a movie, if you release a movie through DEG, you have to show it to the MPAA for a rating. Oh, okay. They knew they were going to get an X, period. Oh, really? Lawrence Gleason, <clears throat> of all people, uh, was the uh, the head of marketing for DEG. Is that D- someone I should know, or do you say that because you share a name with him? I, because I share a name okay. with him. Yeah, it's a good name. It's a good Irish name. Uh, so, so. Lawrence Gleason, who works for DEG, watches the movie, loves it, and he's like, look, for this to not get an X rating, we're talking about cutting 20 minutes out. It's We're going to have to hack it Jeez. to death. And he's like, it's not worth it. We got to figure out something else. So what they did was they created a shell company, of a fake company, uh-huh. called Rosebud Release Corporation. Even went so far as to have Sam Raimi come up with a cute little idea of a yellow flower like blossoming. And they were going to like film like an intro, which you see at the beginning yeah, of this film. Yeah. That is not a real company. It has no employees. <laughs> it has no money. It has no offices. It is fake. So what they did was if they released it under this fake Rosebud company, they could bypass the MPAA and release it as unrated. Now, that might still limit the theaters that they could go to. But DEG behind the scenes was talking to all the theaters and saying, hey, we got this movie. You're going to want to show this. So Dino's company is using their clout to get 340 theaters to show the movie. But technically, it's, quote unquote, 
Rosebud Release Corporation that's okay. putting the movie out there. Wow. That's how they got to put out the movie. So it was all and fil- Sam Raimi even filmed that flower opening up and everything. <laughs> it's it's totally fake. That's it's awesome. all just garbage. Um, but uh, but yeah. So so the film is made. It's down in Tennessee. Um, the the makeup crew uh, uh, is a name is a group of names. Um, you've got. Uh, and, and forgive me for reading my uh, my writing here, but Mark uh, Showstrom, who did all of the Nightmare stuff, okay, uh, and Phantasm. You've got Greg Nicotero, who went on to become actually the main director of The Walking Dead. You've got Robert Kurtzman, who did Night of the Creeps. He did Tusk. You've got Tom Sullivan, who did a bunch of Sam Raimi movies. <laughs> so <laughs> he's just kind of bringing up the rear. But when I say when those when I list those couple credits, each one of those guys has like eighty more credits right. of movies that you've you've all seen. So um, yeah, they filmed it down in North Carolina, and um, it was a little tough filming because the they had no air conditioning. So you picture Ted Raimi, who's in that suit as Henrietta. Oh, yeah. They, they in if you watch the featurette, you can watch them take the feet off uh-huh. and then squeeze the sweat oh. into Dixie cups, <laughs> filling up Dixie cups gross. of sweat just pouring out of his body. Gross. Um, and uh, that's even grosser than it's like the <laughs> grossest thing in this movie. <laughs> I know it really is. Um, but uh, but yeah, so Ebert gave it three out of four stars, and um, a lot of people loved it. And that's, you know, that's your basic background on Evil Dead 2 being made. It was it was essentially taking the spirit of the first movie, Dino De Laurentiis putting up the money, Stephen, or, uh, Stephen King kind of interfering and, and help, I mean, intervening and helping there. And then uh, and then they make the movie. Now, here's what's crazy. You said. The most perfect thing in a recent episode oh. where you talked about Weird Al being silly but well, not doing it half-assed. Yeah. And that's what makes this film so good. They actually hired Miss Nor- Mr. North Carolina to weight train Bruce Campbell oh. to come in and give him like a diet of fish, um, protein supplement, fruit, and diet slice. <laughs> <laughs> so when there was such a thing. And uh, so he See, was... See, now to me that reads, because I do know... Uh, just from you know reading about Sam Raimi over the years, uh, the relationship he has with Bruce Campbell, while they are friends, he loves loves to fuck with him in a movie. Any, I mean, that is why he just gets gallons of shit poured on him. So I could totally, you know, punch in the face nonstop. I could totally see Sam being like, "Dude, you have to do this." Like yes. You have to go on this limiting diet just to fuck with him. Right. Yeah. He would yell. He would yell into the room like, you know, time for your close up, Mr. Lardass. Like, just like <laughs> he was just a prick to him. Here is an actual quote by quote interaction that took place. Now, there is a scene in this movie uh, that's called they call they refer to it as the blood flood. So we're we're uh, a thick stream it stream doesn't even begin to cover it. A blood shoots out yeah. v- vertically it's, or no horizontally. It's the, yeah, it's the Nightmare on Elm Street bed. Yes. But from the wall. Exactly. So if you want to imagine how they achieve this, tilt your head to the left and then imagine a set being built at the same perspective that you're at. 
So the wall to your right just became the ceiling. Right. Right. So that's how they create that effect. Now, Bruce Campbell is being supported by a board on his lower body. So it looks like he's standing up. Right. Because there's he's a little bit. There's a distance between his back and the, the outer, outer edge of the frame. Yeah. So essentially, even if you can't understand that, just imagine laying on the floor and there's a 55 gallon drum of fake blood hoisted above you, ready to pour on you. Now, this is the interaction that took place. (laughs) Sam says, "Okay, now, Bruce, if something goes wrong and you're drowning, wave your arms (laughs) like like you're terrified. (laughs) Bruce says, but. Isn't that what I'm supposed to be doing anyways? How will you know the difference? Sam looked at Bruce blankly, as Bruce stated, turned to the uh, mechanical effects guy and asked, how long will the blood take? The effects guy said, long enough to empty 55 gallons. Sam said, hmm, good point. Okay, let's shoot it. And (laughs) right into it, like... No, I mean, I'm sure he loves his friend, but just no regard for safety or anything and just went for it. And now something you you would know a lot more about this than I do. Um, Something you and I were talking about in just the pre-show warm up. We're talking about um, frames per second. Yeah. And as you notice, and I'm sure anyone would pick up, they an average movie viewer might not understand. They know that what they're looking at is different, uh-huh. but they don't know why it looks different. Okay. So Sam Raimi thinks that the typical four, 24 frames per second is like fucking slow motion. Yeah. He likes to do it a lot faster. So there are different scenes in this movie shot at different frames per second to give a different effect. Yeah. So uh, you were saying, what, what about that Spider-Man movie that was having uh, different characters were at different frames per yes. second? Yeah, in the new, in the newest, in the uh, across the Spider Verse, because you have, you know, our Miles Morales character leaves his dimension. So when they animated the movie, all the characters move with six, uh, thirty frames a second, as far as animation goes. Uh, but then, since he was, you know, out of his dimension. He was then animated at like half of that. So he was like 15 frames a second. And then there's a punk character who's covered in safety pins. And he's animated at like 10 frames a second because he's so fucking punk. So ex- explain to me like in the and I, I'm sure it's one of those things that's better seen than explained. But when you're talking about that, does it are you saying that the movements are slower or jerkier? They'll they'll be jerkier. Okay. Because yeah, so the, it'll look know, the like- more the more frames you see, the smoother something will be. So if you watch something in slow motion, that was recorded at a very fast speed. Okay. Right? So it's capturing as many frames as it can. As as fast I mean, you know, we have different speeds of slow mo. I mean, there are some very expensive slow-mo cameras okay that are you know thousands of frames a second or whatever maybe not that much but yeah still um and then if something sped up like if you watch like a time lapse that's taking like a frame like every minute or something like okay that. okay so then when played at a normal speed you're still seeing 30 frames a second oh. but depending on how many were taken at right. the time of filming that's the experience you get Okay. So yeah, there is a shot and I did notice there's a shot where he's in water 
and the water is moving very quickly. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's like sped up. But yeah. He looks normal. It's kind of a weird shot. Well, that's what he said. Like having to adapt your acting by frames per second <laughs> isn't the easiest thing. And then there's the reverse motion. And one night they were watching dailies. And Sam yelled at Bruce saying, this was it for a scene that was deleted, said that, quote, that is the worst reverse motion acting I've ever seen, <laughs> which is kind of awesome. Hey, I'll tell you what, like having watched that featurette of this movie, these guys are goofing all the time. It's serious business. When I say that one particular scene of this movie is being filmed and there are 20 different things happening at yeah. the same time, I'm talking about somebody on laying down on a skateboard, holding a pole with a heavy torso attached to it. The torso is holding a plastic chainsaw. But the so the chainsaw blade bends, so you have to have somebody up in the rafters with a piece of filament, which is like fishing wire. Yeah. So they're having to be in perfect conjunction with the guy on the skateboard to make the blade stand straight up while you have Ash acting or Bruce acting, while you have lights, while you have sound, and it's you watch it and it's like controlled chaos. Yeah. It's amazing. But in between every scene, it's all this. Three stooges, you know, two fingers oh. to the eyes, like yucking it up like these guys are just goofballs. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing that I noticed, and I'm, I'm just going to say this, I'm going to take a quick trip to the bathroom, but I'm oh. going to say this. Because we don't talk about this much. We, we mentioned Bruce uh, working out for the movie. I think that people, if you saw somebody that's not on film in real life, you would be like, holy fuck, you're so skinny. <laughs> Right. Like I think when you see in not in the in the film, Bruce looks like, you know, like strong, like a like a hero. But when you see like the kind of non-professionally treated film that they were taking with videotape, it's like that dude looks fucking emaciated. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. like a fat guy in a movie. And then he like takes his shirt off and you're like, oh, yeah, uh, that's my ideal body. Right. <laughs> like, remember when like. Jack Black used to be a fat guy at like 215 pounds. Like not even that. <laughs> Way fat now. Right. Yeah. But I mean, even that isn't that fat, no. you know? No. Well, um, it's also very short. Though. Well, that's true. That's true. Um, but he's uh, very agile, so he hides it well. Yeah. yeah. He's pretty special. He is. Um, let me say this real quick. Let me, let me set you up with this before I go to the bathroom. Now, we've got all that like artsy or not artsy but heady stuff out of the way all the history and and all of the the facts and and uh factoids there but i have no idea did you see this before i showed it to you no and it was at your house your parents house yeah that we noticed the work shed line for the first time well i think you pointed out to me might have yes. but so okay so you hadn't seen this no and um, but you c did come from a comedic background, loving Python and all that stuff. Yeah. So what was your initial reaction to this movie? Oh, to the whole movie? Uh, I enjoyed it rather much. Uh, I was not really into horror at the time. Didn't watch a lot of horror movies. But on your recommendation, you know, and yeah, I do, I do remember watching it together um, vaguely. Uh, but yeah, I remember really liking it and just being like, like I didn't really expect a movie like that uh you had explained that it was you know a little crazy um but that it was also kind of wicked and 
even back then, you know, in the mid or early to mid nineties, this probably would have been the early nineties when we watched this. Uh, so yeah, only five years really after this came out, which is crazy to think about. It seemed like it had been out for so long at that point. Um, but yeah, I really liked it. Um, I can't say that I, you know, tried to run out and watch the first one right away. I think it was, I was much older when I finally got around to watching the first one. And, uh, and then, and I watched Army of Darkness 2. Well, I'll tell you this. Cause I, yeah, I watched, I watched this this morning and then I was like, "Mm, I've got time. I'm going to, I have not watched Army of Darkness in a while. I remember watching it once, didn't like it a lot, like thought it was okay. Uh, and I was like, I'm going to watch it just for good context and whatever. Because uh, I'd recently seen the first one. So that was pretty fresh. I've actually recently seen pretty much all of them now. So I started um, uh, Army of Darkness and I got about 40 minutes in and I was like, this is actually kind of too goofy that's right it's too it's a little boring and too too much it's the thor love and thunder to this thor ragnarok exactly right and the thing is look i'm not it's not my place or your place or anybody's place to say that if people younger than us and i've run into this a lot their favorite is Army of Darkness. Yeah. Like if you if you talk to somebody 10 years younger than us, that's going to be their favorite and they're going to say it's the best and that's fine. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that movie. It's really, really great. But what is so great about two is that it is the pitch perfect balance. It is leaning back on a on a chair in middle school and balancing for that three seconds. The perfect balance yeah. between the roughness of the first one, which let's face it. It's not an easy watch. Yeah, I was going to say, you famously have told me in private that you don't really like that one. I don't. I don't. And I, I'm uh, I'm, I'm uh, glad that you outed that on the show. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was going to continue my lies. Do you like famously uh, in uh, private? <laughs> you know, here's the thing, but I'm glad that you brought yeah, that up. because be honest here, Tim. Fuck yeah, we are. You no, it. I am. It's okay to not like it. I am glad that you brought that I up. I do want to say I didn't dislike Army of Darkness. I was, I didn't feel obligated to finish it. And I'm, I was like, I'm not going to gain much from watching this. But, dude, I, I'm glad that you brought that up, though, because, yeah. I, Jennifer, or uh, Bridget Fonda in the weird cameo role. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. You're right. Um, Because they like reshoot scenes from this movie for that movie to be like a, here's what you missed. And Bridget Fonda in a weird cameo role in her own life right now, if you've seen her recently. Um, (laughs) But uh, have you seen her? No. Oh, look it up. Little, little, uh, let's put it when she says, uh, when she says, want to fuck to uh, Robert Redford and Robert Redford, Robert De Niro in. in Jackie Brown, yeah, and you like felt like it was a really hot moment, yeah. It's not that anymore. Oh, look at her! No, she's just a she's just an old lady now. Yeah, wow. yeah, recognizable. That's what I'm talking about. Wow. Um, and the thing is, I liked her. I liked her as an actress. She's yeah. mar- married to Danny Elfman. Oh, really? Yeah, and that dude's in like good shape. Like he's like ripped. Dude, yeah, he's, he's like jacked. almost. He's like he saw Nightmare Before Christmas, as I was like, "Yes, right. that's what I want to be." <laughs> yeah, uh, I think he and I see the same doctor. Uh, but uh, let's put it that way. But um, 
but no, so yes, I, I don't really enjoy, yeah, you're, you're I like the fact that one is exists and one needed to exist in order for two to exist. There's no, there's no doubting that. But I think that here's the greatest thing. When I, we were kids and we were watching this movie, the best part about it was that the joke ended up being on us. We thought that this was just a goofy ass movie and we thought that the humor was unintentional. Right. So we're laughing at it like these dumb fucks. Right. And the truth of it was, it was all intentional. <laughs> right. And the joke was on us for, for thinking that like, oh, we, we've just discovered this awful film. Yeah. Turns out it's an it's amazing. It's a horror movie. Yeah. It can't and, be goofy like this. Right. And by the awful. Your like, head is a Muppet. What's going on here? <laughs> right. And I thought we thought that they were like people really, really trying to be serious. <laughs> And failing miserably. Now, that doesn't mean that we thought it was an awful movie. We fucking loved it. I mean, yeah. we worshipped it. But we honestly thought that it was like, and look, to our credit, we saw plenty of movies that were exactly what I just described, yes. which is people who have no business making movies or acting or writing or directing, making films. Um, so we thought this was kind of one of those. And and you really do get that vibe because there will be these moments in this movie of of silence of of very very sparse score of real old school gothic ghost ghost story tension and then they'll just slip in some weird ass fake ass backdrop of like a sun going down like looking like Bruce Campbell is standing in front of a big TV at Target like just absolutely awful so that's what it is it's the juxtaposition but what you really end up watching here is a Looney Tunes cartoon come to life? Yeah, it is fucking Looney Tunes. It is exact, and I don't mean that when as crazy. The blonde is he the brother? Is he your brother? No, he's okay, not. He is the associate. Yeah, right? yes. Okay, just yeah, he's yeah. That's what I thought. And when he gets pulled into the cellar, and then she just gets blasted. Well, with it's that hundred psi. That blood. that's when Jake gets pulled in. That's that, yeah. What, that's well, Jake is the hillbilly. When he gets pulled oh, in is when she gets blasted. Yeah. Okay. So he gets just right, like right. he gets just like thrown against a picture and like that killed him. You know <laughs> what a puss. But um, but the thing is, is if you sit down here and try to analyze this movie, you're like, what are they doing so right that I am forgiving stuff that looks so bad? Yeah. And I think that. I think it's just that somehow we register that they know that like the dancing Linda girlfriend. Yeah. I mean, if, if we're, if look taking evil dead, Bruce Campbell, horror, love, all that off the table doesn't look great. I mean, it's neat looking the dance, you know, but the head looks fake as fuck. Yeah. You know, the body looks animated as hell. Um, But yet that, that which makes it cheesy also makes it creepy and you can't turn away from it. Yeah. So even the the context of the time, and there has to be at least a awareness of this does not look like a movie made with a large budget. So there is something in your brain that if not done horribly, we'll kind of give something like that a pass. I guess we kind of at the time there were people who were like, that's fucked up. That looks fucking trippy. Right. Well, yes, because it's kind of like when you, when we forgive like the entire uh, end battle scene in uh, Black Panther. Um, <laughs> I don't. As 
<laughs> right? We shouldn't. So bad. But when we look at it, we're like, that's a cartoon. Um, <laughs> maybe people saw stop motion. We, we, we just kind of went with stop motion at this yeah. time. Yeah. Like, we knew, like... Well, because it was like, how else are you going to do that? Yeah, there was no other way. If it was a guy walking around, you know, puppeteering a skeleton, that's going to look dumber. Because all computers do are make, like, green letters and numbers. <laughs> exactly. That's it. So yes. what are they going to do? Um, or what could they ever do in the future? But, um, so yeah, there, there is that, there is, that, that's what makes it, it's like the more that you think about this movie, the more that you realize how amazing it is and that, that they are always in on the joke. Yeah. And that while it comes across as this really cheesy ass, goofy movie, it's because they were fans of Bugs Bunny and the Three Stooges. Yeah. And There's so much Three Stooges shit in oh, Army of Darkness. Like, the, oh, I'm yeah. like, all right. Nice. <laughs> right. Even the, the it I was just missing, like, <laughs> yeah, right. And, and if you watch uh, that documentary, you'll see a lot of that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sure. When the cameras aren't rolling, that's all they do. Um, so, but, but, but the energy is, is, um, Palpable. I mean, you when you watch this movie, you can't be bored. Even when it takes its moments to reset, and it does every now and then. Yeah. Um, that that that's totally fine. Uh and and you're okay with that. And it it has a nice ebb and flow that way that it will give you the crazy full on, and then it knows when to pull back and say, let's reset, let's introduce some new characters. And originally, it was supposed to have all of the characters from the first movie, but then for time and budget, they're like, let's just cut it down to Bruce and Linda. Yeah. Um, but uh, one thing that I think is neat about the movie overall, because here's, essentially what I'm doing right now is just stalling us from like going... By specific scene, like specific scenes of awesomeness, yeah. which we will do. Like <laughs> if you're out there waiting for us to say groovy, like <laughs> it's going to happen. Trust me. But um, what is really neat about this movie is the reverse iconography. Usually it's Jason or it's Freddie and his glove and Jason and his mask or Leatherface and his chainsaw and face. But we don't really have super strong iconography with the. The Deadites Dead here. Yeah. But Bruce Campbell is a motherfucking vision yes. of iconography. One-handed, you know, either chainsaw or shotgun or whatever it may be, hair slicked back, obviously strong jaw, um, <laughs> like well-muscled, that like kind of like muted blue shirt covered in various states of whatever the fuck is happening in the moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, like that dude is a fucking rock star. And I, and I want to talk about that for a second because it's something that I wonder, this is a little, um, this is a little academic, but I wonder if other people that are not died in the wool horror fans feel the same sort of chemical rush in their body when certain things happen in horror movies. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, um, like, you know, if if a if a like a Lord of the Rings nerd sees like like, oh, he handed him this cape and that was from the first one. If you remember, there was like in the back of the closet, but he put that color cape on or whatever the fuck they do. I, yeah, I fell asleep. No, yeah. Great. No, great. analogy. yeah. But uh, <laughs> so so in this movie, though, when Bruce Campbell cuts his hand off. Yeah. When we get what is I'm not even going to say arguably 
one of the best physical comedic performances in film history, certainly in horror film history. Um, When we see him with the flipping and the smashing of plates and all these sorts of things. So many plates in this cabin. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like hosting a banquet later. Exactly. Yeah. Like, do they work for uh, what's that like pyramid scheme? (laughs) Um, Amway. Yeah. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Um, But so, you know, we see that we hear that cute little like is the hand is is pulling ash across the floor. He puts the knife into the hand and then we get the the chainsaw cut in that moment. In that who's laughing now moment, when we hear the roar of the chainsaw, we see the splash of the blood on the face to where it's covered. We see the maniacal look on his face. I watch that and I feel like I am hearing the first power chord (laughs) of like some rock star playing to 60,000 people in an arena. I'm like, holy fuck, would you just look at what's happening? Yeah. Do you do you feel and it's not it doesn't make anybody lesser or not. But I mean, do you feel rushes from like iconic horror fucking scenes? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't know about rushes, but yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I do enjoy a good specific looking moment, even just earlier. Like there's a they don't use fisheye, but man, they get some crazy close ups of his face and just the shape of his face alone. Looks so goofy, but it looks so good. Like he looks maniacal, but it but you want to laugh at it, but also it's so crazy. He's really handsome in some shots. So handsome, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, more hand like in the first one, he's just kind of baby face. Yeah, he looks a little, you know, more. He's got that Nancy Thompson three years later, like <laughs> I'm all of a sudden an old man, you know, an adult. That's the diet slice working. <laughs> That's a diet slice and fish. Um, uh, but yeah, no, that the, the part, yeah, the part, that whole sequence where he fights his hand and then like the hand sees the butcher knife and just as it's dragging him across the floor, like I just, I can picture that whole scene being made and how fun it is. And he fucking sells all that physical stuff so well, so well. Um, to, to where you are like, oh, is this like a fake hand and someone's puppeteering this hand? <laughs> right. Um, yeah, that whole sequence rules. And it's, and you know, it's easy to call things great when they're coming from films that have been propped up by millions of dollars of marketing and that sort of thing. Like, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to call, um, uh, you know, Braveheart iconic and that sort of thing. And and it is. But I mean, I guess what I'm getting at is, is that I think that it should be valid for uh, the fans of, of any genre of cinema to look at a scene like that. And, and I'm glad that you mentioned the whole thing, because it, it it's really a gorgeous, grotesque ballet that he has with that hand throughout yeah. that you're really watching something pretty special. Yeah. I mean, the place gets so trashed. Yeah, they you are never like, how was this edited? Like the things seem off or different in shots, you know. But like through that whole plate smashing thing, it just seemed. I'm like, God, how are they keeping track of all of this? (laughs) Well, the best part is, 
It's like this cabin is a realtor's dream house. Absolutely. It's like, oh, small cabin in the woods. What's the square footage? 9,000. <laughs> right. How many bedrooms? 20. Like, I mean, it just goes. It's a very and- odd setup where there are open walls. Like, yeah. There's a part where he runs in between the walls, but it's not like he finds a weird way to do it. It's just like into a room. Yeah. It's like a yeah. Why oh, does don't it... use that door? You'll accidentally be behind the bathroom. No, use that door. Why doesn't my house just have like other hallways next to hallways? Yeah, it's like uh, the people under the stairs house. Yes, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. And I, it, it is so fun that way. And we get the use of uh, the. They have all these cute little names for things. The Ramacam is what they call where they put a camera on a pole and they built a box around it so that it can smash through things like windshields. Yeah. 26 doors, times yeah. doors, whatever it may be. They also have the Samocam. That was the real king of them all. And that was where you have now picture in your mind, a crane, like an arm of a crane, a big, big, big mechanical arm of a crane and picture a, a seat up there that someone can sit in and they have a joystick in their lap. And then in front of them, there is a metal X that somebody is tied to. Uh And that person can use that joystick to spin that person this way or that way or wherever it may be. So when you see Bruce Campbell flying through the woods and flipping upside down, it's not just like him, like two feet above the ground. He is up on a crane just being spun just demonically by Sam Raimi hit by branches. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. Yes. And, uh, and they just built you this know shit. He'd like see it and adjust it to where he'd get hit by it. And the funny thing is the guys on the, the makeup crew or, or even like just the, uh, the cinematography, um, would say like, you know, Sam would always come in and say, well, you know, they'd, they'd be like, okay, Sam, well, what do you want this scene to look like? Like, what are we going for here? And he's like, well, didn't you look at my boards? Like I drew boards. And they're like, let me show you an example of a Sam Raimi board. (laughs) And basically, it's like if you picture like the painting of the scream, but not nearly as much detail, just (laughs) outline like a person and a door and like, you know, a window in the back. And that is it. He's like, like this, you know, I want the back. Right. So um, they had fun with that. But uh, but no, it it was. Sam Raimi is meticulous, though, even if he isn't great in his storyboard planning, he is meticulous for exactly what he wants. Yeah. And they will do it as many times as it takes to get that. Now, I, I've, I've been rambling on and on, but um, I love you as an actor. Oh, thanks. I, I've, I've always loved you and as an actor, and I, I actually enjoy you more as time goes on. Yeah. Not that I didn't enjoy you before, but then you'll do something new, and then I, I love what you're doing. Yeah. So... We know that Bruce Campbell is a sensation in this film. Yeah. What do you think of everybody else? I mean, they're fine. The local guy is probably the worst guy, I guess. Jake. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's not really saying much. They do what they need to do. Uh, I think that Annie is good. I did like the townie girl. She's very cute. Bobby Joe. Bobby Joe, who they wanted Holly Hunter and uh, the studio was like, oh, God, no. <laughs> What's she ever going to do? Someone attractive, please. Yeah. Um. So, you know, which is fine. And we, which, yeah, this one I was like, 
waiting for the uh, the tree part, which is not as graphic as in the first movie. No. I was like, okay, that part, that thing happens in the first movie. Yeah. But you know what, though? I'm glad that you mentioned that. And This one still gets kind of a, like the branch kind of comes down her face and then kind of into her mouth, like you, you do with your thumb a little bit, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, there's the thumb. I know what they're doing. Yeah. And also, I like, I'm a huge fan of armpits. Um, like intimately. So like there's a rip of like showing her armpit in there, which yeah. I thought is really cool. Um, but no, but here's, here's the pause thing. I'm, there. I'm what's that? Did you pause it there? Uh, no, <laughs> right. I, uh, I mean, the real thing is even better. I mean, it's, it's a lot, a lot happening there, but, um, but I will say this though, watching this as a kid in that scene with her being so pretty, uh, and she is, she's just, she's just a really pretty lady. Yeah. Um, and the, the scene, while yes, not the first one, but still feels a little sexual, not overtly, no. certainly not overtly. But I remember being a little torn about it because, like, it's. Let me just be the first. I can't believe it's taken this long for us to to say it. The sound in this movie is absolutely fucking fantastic, yeah. and might as well be a character in and of itself. So as she's being pulled across the floor of the forest ramming like an increasing speed into a tree. We don't really see like the after effects or blood or broken bones or whatever it may be. No, but I remember There's that shot of like the branches kind of going into her. Yes. Her face. Oh. And I, I just remember being a little affected by this one. Like I, like she was a, a pretty lady and some bad things were happening to her and it felt a little tiny sexual, um, I mean, just like a tinge of that and then her dying. And I remember being a little bummed out by it. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's, we loved the scene, of course. I mean, as we're kids, but, Does um, show what happens to her. Cause I, I remember getting, she kind of gets dragged to the tree and then it cuts. It just, yeah, it just rams her into a tree then, at full force. She, Ethan froms that thing. <laughs> yeah. She just goes right the fuck into it okay. and that's it. She's dead. Okay. But we don't even see her dead after that. Okay. Yeah. She never yeah. shows up again then. Right. Am I wrong? No, you're you're absolutely right. Okay. And and we get a little moment, and I know you don't like Jake, but I do love his moment of tenderness where there he forces everybody outside to look for Bobby Joe. Yeah, and he's yelling her name, and he just says, "Where are you, girl?" Yeah, like it's a little like tender. Um, he really wants to find her, but I'll tell you what though, like, I mean, what are they gonna do out? Like, why why force them outside? Right. Well, you better not- start calling her name more. Exactly. Not much is going to happen there, but um, he's under stress, though. You know, I I understand. Yes, and uh, and Annie, you mentioned Annie. I I like her the more that I watch this movie. She looks ridiculous. She has these. Knee- yeah, I mean, I love, like I love, I love a good knee high side. Yes, her, <laughs> she is like an assertive Velma. Yes. Yeah, and she is she's very toothy. She's um, she's got that kind of um. Got a little like Kathy Lee Gifford to her, like that sort of um, like she's uh, strong and um, she's got a great scream. She's also very funny. Like you, you don't see it a whole lot in out and out comedy, but there's a point where she's having to drag Jake. who has yeah. been she stabbed him accidentally in the sternum <laughs> right. and he's oh, yelling. That's right. And that's she's just yelling guy. like, shut up. <laughs> Shut up! Like as she's trying to save his life, and she's funny, um, and it and it's a good moment. And then I'll tell you, you reference that scene real quick where she helps Jake into the living room, only to have him taken under into the fruit cellar by Henrietta, blasting her with blood, and she's sort of squatting and trying to help him, and it's gross. 
and a, it's a little hot. <laughs> it's a little hot. Kind of like when she's banging against the door, like when she's got her back up against oh, the door yeah, and it's yeah, banging. Yeah, you know, there's yeah. there's there's a funny mix here. Maybe I'm just looking at this through the the gaze of like a 12-year-old boy, but <laughs> there's there's some confusing and and titillating things happening here. But um but either way around it, the the movie for all of its craziness, I feel does a great job of taking its beats, taking its moments, knowing when to slow it down, and creating a really solid base. One of the best parts of this movie being, even though it's all off screen for the most part, the the voiceover of Annie's dad. Yeah. Is very well done, and there's no cheekiness about it at all. No. And it's a great voice, and it's it all kind of makes sense i mean as much as that sort of thing yeah. makes sense but you know it, it's um it, it's it's serious enough to make you buy into what's happening they don't go into a lot of trouble to explain what these forces are yeah or why they do what they do no. it's just if you say the words they're coming yeah um and uh and we even get there's there's a nice moment where as the movie progresses, we get a better understanding of these things. It's never a lot, but Bruce gets a, a tiny little monologue where he is, he has now been accepted by the, the other people. Yeah. And he's kind of crossing the, the stage uh, of the, the cabin floor. And he's sort of instructing people in a kind of a very controlled, calm way. And he's and it's actually a really nice moment. And then Bobby Joe just screams in his face and ruins the whole thing. And it's hysterical. And that is a perfect example of timing. Yeah. The goddamn timing in this movie is gorgeous. Yeah. Even if it's something as simple as <laughs> when Ash is standing in front of the mirror and the mirror, his reflection jumps out at him. Yeah. And they have that dialogue back and forth, which, by the way, I feel dissolves into a pretty creepy moment where it cuts to Ash choking himself. Yes. I always thought that was really, there's some creepy shit in this yeah, movie. That's a great, yeah, that is a great edit. Yeah. And then. We- Cause yeah, it's the classic while he's looking into the mirror, you've got the guy who looks like him over the shoulder Yeah, where we think we're looking at his reflection. Then boom, he pops out and it's choking him. And yeah, then as we cut back, you still see, you know, you see the hands on his throat, and then as he stumbles back, it's just his own hands. It's so yeah, good. it's awesome. But then we get that great comedic timing of Bruce Campbell being freaked out by his reflection and doing the like, I'm not going to pay attention. Then I'm going to hop back and see if you've moved. You know, I mean, the timing is impeccable. Even in the beginning, when Linda, when he's killed Linda, he's beheaded her. A shovel beheading is always really fun. Yeah. And it took a lot of takes for them to get that head to roll right up to the camera. Oh, it's kind of wow. fun to watch. Um, but he fashions a, a cross very quickly yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, for her grave. Like buries her in rocks. Like, <laughs> yeah. like who's just dumping charcoal here? But I mean, that's what I it, know. Looks it looks like. It looks like fucking uh, obsidian. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, um, that might be the first time and the only time that that word has been said on this show. I think it is. <laughs> and so, um, but he, you know, he buries her and um, we get that, that great overlay with the join us. 
Jesus. And it's awesome. And he like kind of pauses for a second and we just get this beat. It's like the, if you do comedy, it's all about those beats Oh yeah, and counting those beats. And then he kind of looks and then like right, the car takes off, which is the, the car is the classic, which is Sam Raimi's, you know, teenage, probably the first car he got laid in. It's in all of his movies. If you watch even in Spider-Man, um, he's got it in there. And, um, so yeah, it's it's a lot of really really great timing and I love to watch that stuff in what is now an older movie like this because it's like what is modern comedic timing now was still funny then. Yeah. That you know? never changed. Right. Yeah, the, those those timing. counts and those beats are are just in our DNA. Yeah. And I love it that way. Um so now obviously you had watched it before, you watched it again. Um, did you pick up anything at all different this time, or were you just kind of sitting back and enjoying? I forgot about the giant face at the end. Yes, I totally forgot about that. Yes, there are <laughs> moments in this movie where you're like, I know I've seen this a million fucking times. I yeah. don't remember this part. Well, and it is, you know, because I've re- I not too long ago saw the first one again, so there are so many similar beats in the movie, you know. They change up some stuff. But yeah, like the tree bit. I was like, oh, God, here we go. How does this play now? Oh, cool, cool. Not at all. Not in it at all. Don't have to worry about it. Uh, you know, the having Henrietta in the in the cellar instead of, like, you know, the first girl or whatever from the first movie. Yeah. Um, you know, I like choices like that. Um, but yeah, besides forgetting the giant demon face at the end. I kind of remembered everything. Like nothing really hit new. Well, and, and nothing really. I mean, it doesn't. I, I guess it, I did pay way more attention to just how long some of that, some of his physical work goes on for. Because it can be, you can, you. It's easy to just lose it in the insanity of what's going on. Well, yeah, that's not really pay attention to the intricacy of what's going on. That is exactly the the best point there because there are some scenes in this movie that like we've been alluding to are a little creepy and are a little overwhelming. The, the stimuli is just coming at you left and right. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking when you first see him possessed, that's fucking freaky. Yes. When he pops out of that puddle as a deadite, that's fucking, that's fucked up. Right. And what's funny is somehow 10 times stronger than he already looked. And he's in that water a long fucking time. And it's so funny when you see the the documentary, Bruce is face down in that water, and you just hear Sam going, bubbles. <laughs> bubbles. <laughs> bubbles. Like, just, like, keeping him down. Like, just drowning his own friend. Yes. It's so great. Um yeah, it's amazing. And and those are it, it's really in that moment and the fly through the woods that you're like, oh, OK, this is now I don't know what to expect. Yeah. And um, but those creepy scenes, um, I'm thinking of the work shed um, when we're fir- when we're first in the work. Uh, yeah. Work shed. Um, so we get into the work shed and there are about like 15 different things that I love in this. Um, there's the, like the zaniness that we talked about with the torso running in and that sort of thing. 
It's when they cut to the real Linda in the vice that always, oh, yeah. that still creeps me out yeah. to this day. It's awesome. And I love it. Um, and cause yeah, like, I like that gimmick that the, that's in like every evil dead movie too, where they go, the, I'm the ghoul. And then I'm going to switch back and look normal. Yeah. And plead to you. Yeah. And she's so <laughs> sweet. Back, you fucker. And, and it helps too, again, with subtitles. There were some things that I never yeah. knew were a line. Look, okay. Never will you ever forgive ADR in any movie more than this one. And it uses oh, yeah. a lot of it. And well, it's okay. It feels in this one, like the workshed line, right? Very famous line. Uh, I think I said last week, it's Kurt Russell's favorite line. I looked that up. Not necessarily his favorite line, but uh, and made him say it. Campbell had a small bit in Escape from L.A. and Kurt had brought his son Wyatt to the set, and Wyatt was a huge fan, and he was like, "Will you please go to my son and say workshed? Yeah, because he'll lose his shit." Yes, but that's that shot, and it's and I the reason it's so funny is because it is like. It is like someone in, you know, it feels like a studio note where they were like, we need something here to, like, let the audience know what he's sure. going to do. It's an afterthought. Can you guys, yeah. Can you guys put in something like, oh, I have to, like, get to, or I have to go to the workshop or whatever. And they chose to do a shot where he's just looking dead at the camera. Obviously, his mouth is not moving. Yes. And it's just the weirdest, like, calmness. It's so calm. Yeah, that's what's funny about it. he's screaming and then work shit, work shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like, is this his internal monologue? Like what's happening here? Um, so and when he gets in there, though, yeah, it does get it gets fun. And it gets gnarly. And I, I had told you earlier, like there are a lot of classic lines in this movie. Yeah, I feel like I don't know. Maybe it's just funny to me, but I think the most unappreciated line is the. You're going down like when he's got her head in the vice. It's just hysterical. And um, yeah, what does he say where he's like, well, we just cut our girlfriend in half. And that wasn't great. Yeah. Or right. Something like that. Yeah. Is that all right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, so she's he's got her head in the vice and she she goes to the suite and, you know, she's got that sweet voice and she's crying ash and it, it's beautiful. And then when she cuts back to the demonic head, which is still her head. Yeah. Um, it's that's another one of those fucking like, like devil horns, like, fuck. Yeah. Like yeah. where she's like, your love was a lie. Like <laughs> even now she burns in hell. And it, and it, you're like, fuck. Yes. This is so awesome. And then it cuts to, that silhouette shot of him chainsawing her head in half. And I'll tell you what, you can call this movie Looney Tunes and silly and funny. That is still gnarly as fuck. Oh, yeah. It is It is a hardcore scene that to this day, I am so proud to watch that and be like, these motherfuckers just went for it. Yeah. Like, and it was a great, I think it was a great choice to do that in silhouette. Yeah. I mean, this is a movie where you would expect to see someone you know, get their head chains, uh, their head chainsawed in half. Right. But yeah, the, I mean, it was obviously probably easier to save on some special effects, yeah. by not having to do that. Uh, but yeah, love the effect of the silhouette or the, you know, yeah. Yeah. Silhouette. Yeah. It's, it's Shadow. so, yeah, that's right. It, and it's that transition where he's like, he's like, no, no. And she just goes, yes. Yeah. And it's, 
and the black blood is coming from her mouth. And it's just the whole scene is fucking rock and roll. Like, that's what I love about it, that it's it's not just like characters progressing and a plot moving along like this shit is happening. Yeah. And we are watching it happen. And holy fuck, like that's that's what you have to love about the movie is that it is it it forces you into that experience. And and it's really, really effective that way. So that's what I talk about when I talk about the balance between that humor and the gore and the I don't necessarily want to say terror. Yeah. But the um the like no matter how old we get, looking at some of this stuff and being like, oh shit, that's pretty fucked up. Yeah. In the best way. Um and the movie never never loses steam because it keeps trying different things. Like we've seen the physical comedy, we've seen the chainsaw, we've seen the blood, and then we get that fucking awesome scene of her dad materializing in the bedroom to warn her and to tell her to use the pages. Yeah. And he has that great, um, like it's almost sung like the end of it where he's like, save my soul and your own lives. And it's just (laughs) awesome. Like it's, it's so fucking cool. Like the thing is you don't, you don't have to do that. Nobody told them if you do it like that, it'll be fucking awesome. This is just like them taking everything seriously ridiculous as it may sound every single beat, every single section, every single bit of this movie, they're still in that weird Al style trying. Yeah. They're they're not half-assing anything. Yeah. There's this, there's a scene where you kind of mentioned the sound where they're all just kind of standing in a room and fucking sounds going nuts, but they're all, they are like following something around a room. Like if you watch like a comedy and something's ping ponging around a room and you get them like, Whoa, following it around the room. I mean, this happens slower, but they're all in sync. Um, it's not jo- It's not a joke, but it is kind of like the sounds that are happening are both scary but kind of funny. Yeah. Yes. They're, yeah. They're like scary cartoon sounds. It's the kind of stuff that when you watch it as, and I mean, I'm not trying to single anybody out, but when you, when you watch it as an actor, you're like, I, I want to do that scene. Right. Like I can picture the rehearsals for that scene and how fucking fun it would be. Yeah. The other thing is, is that like, whereas a lot of the comedy is outlandish and goofy and funny, there also is some like understated stuff. Like if somebody, if you came back from the store and somebody said, like, oh, like, did, did, you, did you find any, did you pick up anything? And if your response was, uh, nothing. Or maybe the doorway to another world. <laughs> like, that, those are pretty opposite ends of the spectrum. Right. And that's what, when we get that great ADR with the goddamn plane jet propeller noise that is infecting the whole scene. But we get, uh, the whole scene is fucking ADR yeah. at, the, at the airport. And, uh, like, um, <laughs> the blind guy being like, uh, he has this weird sort of lazy, like, what do you think he found in the book of the dead? <laughs> It just kind of all runs together. And then she says, oh, nothing. And then like slams the trunk or no, but, or maybe the pathway to another world slams the trunk closed. Like it's, it's silly. It's like overly dramatic. It's, um, it's 
I don't know. In a way, it's some of these moments in this movie remind me of because we just recently covered Psycho. Yeah. Like those moments feel like 50s filmmaking. Now, there's not yes. a lot of those moments in this movie. It's yeah. really just between those two. But um, but there. Yeah, there's a there's a, a reverence for classic cinema. Yeah. Here. Kind of the style, the dialogue. Yeah. You're yeah. About. Yeah. And um, so I love that part of it. Now, um, I have no idea how popular this movie is with younger people, but I will say this in reading about it. I knew that like, I love this movie. You love this movie. A lot of people that we know do. Um, But it gets talked about not as like, oh, that was a really good hidden gem. It is. That is one of the best horror films ever made. Yeah. And I was like, when did people start saying that? Like, I love that they're saying it, but I didn't know that it was rising to those ranks. Oh, yeah. See, you might have just been kind of already swimming in the pool and not realized. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's definitely a movie that I, especially going, you know, in my span of not really caring about the genre, (laughs) hearing about it a lot. It was the one I watched, you know. Yeah. It, It crossed over to me. Thanks to you, but I, you know, I feel like I still would have gotten around yeah, to watching you it, um, because I do like horror. I did like horror at the time, um, uh, but yeah, it's all it. It feels like it's always been that kind of that just under the upper echelon, because it's not as I don't think it, it's it's probably because it doesn't have like an iconic villain, in yeah, it. Uh, and it's more about the protagonist, um, but. Yeah, it definitely had legs to where they had that show, Ash versus the Evil Dead. That was pretty popular. That was kind of cool. I watched the first couple episodes of that. I, I, I'm in the same boat. I, I caught a few, and I was like, it's one of those series that I had no reason to stop watching, but I just did. Right. Yeah. But you're like, I, I've i seen a lot of these. I've seen this movie so many times. <laughs> right. I, pr- I know like what I'm going to see. Am I ready to dedicate that yeah. to like two seasons of a TV show? Um. And then the new movies are, you know, did very well. People regard that remake very highly. And um, the new one, I think people liked that, too. There were a few people who didn't. I saw it with someone. He fucking hated it. But but I got, you know, I understood where he was coming from. Because cause this franchise itself is so weird. Because it is, it is a, you know, they did Ash versus the Evil Dead in this kind of style, right? It was... Kind of corny and goofy, but yeah. gross and scary. Yeah. Uh, but the first one is not like that. The first no. one is just kind of gross and creepy and feels, you know, you you can feel the budget in it and, and how frightening it is to have a small budget to where you don't have the liberty to, to, to try new things, you know, to be like, oh, let's fuck around with this scene or whatever. So, you know, you go from very serious. Then the remake is that, but kind of goofier. Then the third one is really goofy um and then you're like well let's remake it but make it super serious so then though you know the 2013 evil dead is essentially the same story just they're like no fucking around in this movie at all um and then evil dead rise is now we're getting we're starting to get a little goofy in it there are but I feel like it's homages that they're trying to do because there is a part where someone, you know, an eye gets popped out of someone's head into someone's mouth. 
it doesn't hold the same kind of gravitas in a movie today as it does in this movie. Right. Did you hear what I said? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. There's, I mean, as fake and cheesy as the eye popping out of a head into someone's mouth in this movie looks, looks so much dumber with better effects. So so here's the thing. Now I'm I'm we don't know oh, have... title card of the of Evil Dead Rise. Best title card since Cabin in the Woods. I still have yet to see it. I, I can't believe it's taken this long. But here's the here's the thing. Like I this mean, it's is for free on Max. You can watch it. <laughs> and I, I have it. Tonight. Yes. Yeah. So here's the thing. Now I'm going to ask you. We don't have to dwell on this because it's it's a really really complicated concept. But like, put yourself in the sort of like space time continuum frame of mind right now. Yeah. What you just described about like that, like eyeball to the mouth was funny then, but like now you couldn't quite recreate that magic. Right. So what does it take for something now? Are, I mean, are, are we just in a, a place in our society where we are so beyond, um, God, I don't want to say irony or fun <laughs> or things like that. Yeah. But I mean, like, are we at a place where, like, what would it take for something to have that kind of wild energy again to where it wasn't, I don't know, maybe there's just too many mouths out there to either love it or hate it to where there, there can't be a hidden gem anymore. Right. And I, I, there's, but there's got to be a way. I refuse to give up. I refuse to. There's, there has to be a way in this day and age for something to still be undeniably fucking cool. Yeah. Um. And I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's just, maybe that's not paying attention to anything else. Like I, I heard a guy today saying, like, you know, with the the uh, Snow White remake, like somebody needs to go to Peter Dinklage and be like, fuck you, Peter. Like, you don't get to have all the little people roles like, you know, now we've cast like seven homeless people from Portland as the other dwarfs. Right. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, you don't get we've to be the got only Gary Oldman in the wings. <laughs> right. So I guess what my point is, though, is that like. Bo is afraid is just. Of its own inertia, right? You know, midsummer, hereditary, not giving a fuck about anything, yeah. just just coming out there confident. So I think that maybe that's what what you need to do is have the confidence and the I hesitate to say arrogance of this group of boys who met when they were in middle school and they're like, we're gonna do something freaky and crazy. Yeah, and maybe it just takes that kind of. I don't want to say blind energy, but kind of like, don't, don't worry about all the other stuff going on outside. Just make your little vision. Yeah. And, but the trying thing, and I was thinking about this today. And again, I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but the creep, the people we have creating individual content on the internet now, yeah. like, like, let me guess. You're going to be in your bedroom with the same backdrop and the same LED lights, and you're going to say your funny things. And maybe you're funny, and maybe you're witty, and maybe you're quick with a joke. But you're there's no there's no colossal effort when you watch the making. Thirty five minutes long, you can watch it free on YouTube. The making of this movie, and then you think of somebody just flipping on their their computer camera um, to like film the like 200th time that they've talked in their bedroom <laughs> and you kind of ask yourself like 
maybe it's the effort that's missing. Yeah. Maybe it's the, 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 the totalness of the idea and the concept and the vision of what we're going for. Right. And maybe it's just too easy to make content. Well, I'll say this. Uh, I don't want to be an old, I don't want to no, be an no, old no. curmudgeon. And I agree. I agree. I understand what you're saying. And I agree with you. But fortunately we may be in a era where we might be going back to that because so that we've got a, you know, a big writer's strike and now the actors have gone on strike. Hollywood is essentially at a standstill. However, just recently, uh, the Actors Guild, there were some independent films, and they were like, hey, um, we'll meet your demands. Like, here's here's our deal with you. Um, we will, if you allow us to start filming, no matter what fucking agreement you come to, we will agree to those terms. Oh. So I'm going to preemptively agree with your terms. So now this is kind of cool. Now it's almost like those unions, as they should, hold this kind of power to where they're like, okay, cool. If these people start making movies, people will go see those movies because those are going to be the only new movies. And they're going to be small. They're going to be independent. They're going to be people who are doing it not because they are beholden to a shareholder or looking at a bottom line. They're like, we want, we're doing this because we like movies wow. and want to make good movies. So – I don't know. We, we might be in the start of a whole new because you know uh, Hollywood's something we made up. It's a made up thing that we made up the rules for and just kind of went along with. And they're going to change eventually. It's kind of like those movies where like only certain sectors of the people go get to live, survive in a cave, and then they come out to like recreate humanity. Yes, like rebuild it again. Yes. Well, that's it's kind of that. Now that's kind of exciting. To that's where if eventually actors are like, well, actually, yeah, how about we do that? We just say, here are our demands. What studios will meet those? And we'll go make movies with those people. Right. Yeah. Oh, that, well, that's interesting. No, I, I like that. Very early in that, but I don't know. I mean, I could see something like that happening. We might get some very uh cool unique stuff that we normally wouldn't see because it's lost in a sea of heavy pr heavy promotion and you know whatnot this could be the end of like remakes and reboots and mm, fucking give it to me <laughs> right well i just i you know speaking of which i just was really disheartened to hear that they are remaking return of the living dead what of oh, my person yes oh. They're calling. I don't even know. They just they have so many different words for reboot or re whatever. But it's like that's one you don't touch. That is such a time capsule yeah. of perfection. That's what I got to rewatch. I was just thinking about that one. And I was like, I know probably my perspective has changed on it because I know the way it was made. I think I get it a little bit more. Oh, and the humor I is don't great. Think my opinion will change on um, Chainsaw 2. But no, that's I, no, you're right. My opinion changed on Chainsaw 2 <laughs> from when I first watched it and loved it, and then it very much changed. But no, you'll love that. That there is some good dyed in the wool, like we're talking about here, comedic timing, almost yep. like stage play style yeah. timing in that movie. We'll watch it's that just, again. It's hard for me to get over a lot of the 80s aesthetic in that. Well, we'll, uh, but I'm glad that you're open to that though. Sure. And, and the thing is, I'll be honest. And then maybe what needs to happen is, and I, 
I, I promise I'll drop this after this, but I think that one thing that is different is that I feel like people are sort of creating their own matrix and that they, by, by having the capabilities of putting out content from their homes, they're taking away the experience of like a Bruce Campbell having to sleep with a fly swatter because he's covered in Caro syrup in a cabin <laughs> in Tennessee in the middle of summer, right. you know, like there's something to be said for engaging in that, the reality of nuts and bolts, hands on DIY filmmaking. Yeah. And it's not to take anything away from the technology that's available, but what I would love to see is a meeting of the minds where maybe we can do something where <clears throat> kind of like uh, taking a cue from Canada or Australia, where maybe we have these studios that instead of being run by these suits that are, you know, um, floating in the clouds somewhere and that you can never get any access to that. There are these physical means that you can use to make a film and that um, people can use those facilities and actually make a physical film on location, but not have it be some faraway place that they can never get to. Right. You know, the idea of somebody being like, I'm going to set up, I'm going to buy this ginormous fucking pole barn. And you can make movies here. And, you know, I, I would love to see that. I would love to see a meeting of the minds between creative people and getting back out there in the public. But because the support is there. Otherwise, yeah. there'd be no fucking Internet, dude. The fucking support is massive. Yeah. People listening to podcasts, people watching um, shows on on the Internet. Like, obviously, it's a hit. <laughs> You know, the Internet is a winner. And if you just give people the means to get out there and get their hands dirty a little bit, combine the two technologies of old school work along with the Internet accessibility. Um, I mean, we could have all kinds of new voices. Yeah. I'd love to see something like that. Yeah. Co-ops, you know, real voices. Not AI voices. Well, dude, that's the one thing. And we won't go down. The, I mean, it's a rabbit hole worth going down. It's timely. But let me just ask you this. I think it's freakier than people think of, because when they think of AI, they think of like robots and the Terminator and all that <laughs> sort of thing. But we're talking about how freaky it is that somebody's like, well, we could either pay um, a great writer to write a script you know, we'll pay uh, instead of paying Kevin Williamson, who wrote Scream, we'll just have AI do a Kevin Williamson type script right. about like uh, whatever, like Turkey, you know, the yeah. country of Turkey. But Scream, yeah, Scream in Turkey. Um, <laughs> but and they could do it and it and it'll work. I mean, it may be good. It may be bad. Yeah. But it, it can sure try. They can do that. So how the fuck do you police that well, that's kind of what they're in the middle of right now. Yeah, but well, the, the okay, using somebody's likeness, that yeah. part is easy, oh, okay. right? Isn't it? I mean, shouldn't it be? That's part of it. Yeah, right. That you can't just say like, we're going to do an, a completely AI movie and we're going to like change this person's eye color, but it's going to look exactly like Brad Pitt. <laughs> right. You know, and it's just as good as having Brad Pitt in your movie. Um, so I get that, that like, that should be obvious to everybody. Like, yeah, you're, you've got Brad Pitt with green eyes instead of blue. Like <laughs> you, that's illegal. That's fine. 
But yeah, the writers have to be just quaking in their boots. Yeah. I mean, feed all the Cheers episodes into a computer and have them spit out a new episode. Yeah. You don't think a computer could I do mean, that? It, yeah, it'll be serviceable, but will it be, you know, there's something human about Cheers. I hope so. Yeah. I, I think it'll be the same thing as, you know, when you, you know, seeing this like uncanny valley shit where you're like, oh, all right. Yeah, that looks very close to real, but man, there's something very off-putting about how real it looks, but how it, it is not real at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Yeah. I, I Well, yeah, I hope they sort that out because at the end of the day, it's, you know, the arts are about um, holding up a mirror to the, the human condition and um, a computer holding up that mirror just isn't quite the same thing. Yeah. And please don't ever and let us not, get. We're not, I mean, not to say we'll never get there because we will, but especially now, you know, we're not at the point where a, a computer can come up with creative ideas like that. It will just look at old shit and be, you know, write something based on old stuff on existing things. It will, it, it can't creatively come up. It's a language model. It's do just, you know, but do you think that we could get so far down the hole that you have people defending the, the AI's rights? Oh, well, of course. To oh, say AI rights? Yeah, no, to say like this like thing. Matrix stuff? Like Matrix Yeah, yeah, like to say like, sure. to say like, yes, like, you know, maybe this thing was fed all of this information, but it, it, it turned it into something very much its own. And why are you, why are you decrying its creation? You know, uh, all it's doing is what you designed it to do. And I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, could we get to the point where we're willing to give human rights to AI? Um, and do you think that's wrong? I mean, do I think it's wrong? No, I mean that's the that's well. Yes, I mean it. It should be what to give to give, to to give human robot? rights to a yeah. Well, but if we are really talking about this is going a little off the rails here. If we are really talking about an advanced age, like if it was tomorrow, no, absolutely not. <laughs> okay, but if we were to create an intelligence that was indistinguishable from us and viewed itself at like recognized its own autonomy, then I don't know. That's fucking, that's a discussion. That's for our grandkids to figure out. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> or on the, kids. on the one Island that's left, they can talk about what robots, <laughs> but Hey, they're on an Island. To. That's what we all aspire to get <laughs> that's to. True. Yeah. You're, you right. did it, You're on a beautiful fucking Island. You know, um, you used to want retire here. Now it's just life. <laughs> yeah. We used to have to drive 13 hours to get to the ocean. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and then we blew it the fuck up. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm I, okay. Off the beaten path. Going, sure. Wait, going but let, back me, to but, this but let me just say though, I'm glad that All we right. had that conversation because this shit is, it's happening. Yeah. So it it's happening. valid. Yeah. Um, a little tidbit I did look up, uh, because I was like, I'm, I'm pretty sure these movies came out at the same time. So yeah, you have, you know, Cohen's and Raimi do crime wave piece of shit. They're like, all right, let's just go, you know, try our own things now. Um, and I, this this is the first thing he did after that. And uh, these two movies came out within two weeks of each other. Same weekend. Was it the same weekend? Same weekend. Oh, OK. Then one probably had a larger release then or something. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so you have Raising Arizona and Evil Dead Two coming out on the same weekend. 
arguably the most recognizable films from either <laughs> of these sets of filmmakers. So yeah, I mean, that's a pretty good thing if you can go from the lowest point in your career to your most iconic work. That's a good turnaround. Evil Dead 2 in its opening night made more than Crime Wave did in its entire <laughs> run. Literally. I don't know if they showed Crime Wave very much. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. I literally did. I was afraid at a longer run in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> right. And not just because it's three hours long. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, it opened in one theater and played for two weeks. Um, no, it's uh, it's amazing. And that's a great point. And I, I like that you're giving a little bit of uh, props to uh, raising Arizona. What what oh, a what a breath of fresh that's fucking I've been air trying to get my kid to watch for fucking 17 years. My dad loved that movie, like so begged good. me to watch it. Yeah, it was so fresh and new and um yeah, and that's the kind of thing, like, again, just to bring it full circle to what we were talking about a couple of seconds ago, is that that's the kind of stuff that I'm excited to see, is that breath of fresh air, that new stuff. <laughs> just raising Arizona yeah. as a kid, not to talk yeah. about raising Arizona, sure. forever, but just the the opening of that movie, how it's like 15 minutes and then the title card comes yeah. up. Like, as a kid, you're like... What the fuck is that allowed? <laughs> right. What? Yes. And it was, yeah, it was that mix of, oh, God, yeah, this brings up a great point. It's that mix of the fact that you can do anything. You can have, because uh, Raising Arizona at its heart is a sweet movie. Oh, and it's yeah. and it's a tender, heartfelt movie, as goofy and, and silly as it is. And that just that goes to show. How serious the plot is. I mean, right. they kidnap a baby. Exactly. And I'm rooting for them. So Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So here we are, like, you know, we obviously we we it was always going to happen from the beginning. We bring up Bo is Afraid a lot on this show, but you know we we have movies like that. We have movies like Midsummer. We have movies like Hereditary. We have you know all of these one percent movies out there, and it just goes to show how limitless this um this arena is. This this avenue of of art is. Yeah, and it's like why? And we know the answer to this. It's money, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's that that's why you don't have more risks and more chances. Yeah. Um, but but at the end of the day, I feel like even just in the way that a a, a movie is, just like you said, delaying like the, the title card. Like, I think that there are countless ways that a that a narrative can even be laid out. Bo is afraid being a perfect example. Um I think we've only scratched the surface of film. If you want my honest opinion, I for everything that we've done and for how far we've come, I feel like we can make some films. Even when when we went to go see Infinity Pool, yeah, and you're watching something that almost feels invasive, uh -huh. like like this is like getting to parts of me that I'm not really comfortable <laughs> with, whether it's like camera angles or plot development. Film is so powerful, and I I think that there's so much more to do. So I really hope that they figure this shit out, or yeah. or maybe they don't figure it out. We we come up with a new universe of filmmaking. Yeah, either way, because yeah, storytelling as a visual medium is not going to go anywhere, right? And uh, will I, you know, have you know, go sit in an IMAX theater? I don't know, maybe not in the future. Who knows? 
Well, I don't know. I mean, I will on Saturday. Oh no! When this comes out, I will have already. We'll already. No, you're not going. We will have already seen. You will have already seen. Yes. And Barbie. Which one are you more excited for? Initially, it was Barbie, but Oppenheimer is really getting some good press. Yeah. And we're seeing that one on IMAX. So I'm like excited. I'm excited about that movie. I'm excited about the Barbie experience. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. That's going to be post-dinner, a couple drinks. <laughs> we got a nice little block. We got fucking 12 people going to see Barbie. So we got a nice little block of seats. Oh, that's fun. fun. Yeah, That's fun. And where are you seeing Barbie? That's in town. Okay. That's on a regular. And you're seeing screen. Oppenheimer. In the, in the other town on the IMAX. Okay, got it, got oh. it. Yeah, okay, fun. What it, and, and here's another thing, like With the reclining. This seats. is new. Films about a, atomic weaponry and <laughs> right. dolls, like, like literally a wave spreading across the nation. Like this is fun. Yeah, this is the kind of fun shit that we did in the '80s. Like this is the kind of stuff that comes out of the '80s. Like people standing up in the stands and making a wave as it, it makes its way all the way around the arena. Like this is the dumb shit that we did that had no social or moral recourse whatsoever. But we just did it because it was fun. Yeah, why not? I love it. Yeah, I love it. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Tim, do you recommend this movie? I I I seriously recommend it. I do. Yeah, I recommend yeah. this movie. I don't recommend uh, mm-hmm. Army of Darkness. No, I do. I do. Yeah, yeah. it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, but it is such a feels like such a departure. It's weird. I don't know what it is. I do recommend Donnie Darko, which features Evil Dead, the first Evil Dead. Oh, up on the screen, and, uh, and we uh, recommend Nightmare on Elm Street, which features Evil Dead Two, and. No, the, Evil Dead. And the Freddy Glove is in this movie. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. We've brought that up before. Well, I think we have. Yeah. 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 Okay. There we go. Fucking roll it, Tim. Here we go. Evil Dice tonight. Oh, yeah. Let's Here we go. Let's find out what we're doing next. Tough to top Evil Dead 2. It will be. Who dares top follow <laughs> Evil Dead 2? Let's find out. What is it? That's a... That is a 16. Is that a 16 or a 15? Uh, that is... That's a 16. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, no. You've been wanting to do this one forever. Really? Ladies and gentlemen, please join us next week. We've covered this director several times in this series alone. Please join us next week from 1972. The Last House on the Left. Oh, oh no, my God. I'm going to wait. <laughs> John, I'm sorry. I'm on this week. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, you put it on here. I so. did. No, I did. And I'm just, I'm, I'm having, I, I'm legitimately having an emotional reaction right now because that is a movie that. Are, are those pens or are they both vapes? Uh, they're, they're both vapes. Okay. Yeah. So I'm having. I'm having uh, an emotional reaction. I, I watched that movie by myself uh, late at night on IFC and uh, was was traumatized and um, terrified. And uh, it, it was it was as visceral of a film experience as, as I've almost ever had. Yeah. Um, and I've wanted to do that movie on this show for forever. Um, 
That is a very special one, and it is not an easy one. It is um, it is very unique in its um, rawness. Yeah, and that will there will be a lot to talk about there. I mean, on my list, I didn't do any repeating directors or anything, so. <laughs> Right. But I hope you sorry. I, I was, hope you can't wait to hear. Sorry, what I was have we not covered about Wes Craven. I <laughs> sorry, I was phoning it in with Last House on the Left. Uh, but that is going to be whole. And you've not seen it? No. Oh my god, it's a fucking gut punch. Oh, oh, but you'll love it. I can't wait. Oh, get my wife and kid to watch it with me. Absolutely not. Never. Come on, pop some popcorn. Yeah, yeah literally. Maybe watch it out in the garage. No, send that. Like on this the is big screen. This is the part. This is like in a movie where you sit. Like the the wife is like, I'm going to take the kids to my mother's house. <laughs> like you've gone too crazy. Like we're getting out of here. Do that for this movie. <laughs> it's at that level. Okay. All right. Okay. Awesome. Well, yeah, so that was uh, Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn from 1987. Uh, please check out our website, slumberpodcastmassacre.com. Shoot us an email, slumberpodcast at gmail.com. Check out our LinkedIn. Check out our TikTok. Huge thanks to our patrons. You help make this show possible. We couldn't do it out without you. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, please join us next week for Last House on the Left. Tim, do you got anything else to say about Evil Dead 2? Unlock these chains quickly. <laughs> like there are so many lines in this movie that I literally have to say to myself because nobody will know what I'm talking about. There's that one. There's the we live still <laughs> like I love that line. Um, hey, if there's one thing I can say about this movie, if you haven't seen Evil Dead 2, I'm just I'm flat out begging you. I'm not too proud to beg. Please watch Evil Dead 2. What would you do in under... Very certain circumstances if uh, you're at the bar and a woman slid up next to you and just whispered, I'll swallow your soul. Uh, well, my it would the, the sound of my zipper would be covering up the second half of that sentence. Uh, oh, oh, you said soul. Okay, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, right. Yes. Please go right ahead. My apologies. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.